Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of his servant David. Just as he promised long ago by the preaching of his holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies and every hateful hand. Mercy to our fathers as he remembers what he said he'd do, what he swore to our father Abraham, a clean rescue from the enemy. So we can worship in the light of our freedom, made holy before him as long as we live. And you, my child, prophet of the highest, will go before the master to prepare his ways. Present the offer of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of sins, through the everlasting mercies of our God. His sunrise will break upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, showing us the way, one foot at a time, on the path of peace. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. Good morning. Feliz Navidad. Thank God for Mr. Feliciano, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you get me today. We're doing our pulpit exchange again. How many, we, how many years are we doing this? Five years now? Um, we, uh, I'm here this morning, and Pastor Rick will be with us this afternoon at Nueva Vida Church. Uh, well, he'll be preaching an awesome message, the best message he ever preached, because I'm going to be translating for him. <laughs> they have one message in English, and then they'll hear a message in Spanish. So it'll be awesome. They'll love him. They'll say, you know, we, we want him as our pastor now. So praise God. So uh, it's an exciting time, uh, this time of the year, the time of Advent. We are here with you this morning, and I just uh, thank God for uh, Zion Covenant Church. You are uh, such a, a great group of saints that God has gathered here, and uh, we just want to take a little bit of opportunity to thank you for your uh, outpouring of love, uh, helping uh, our people in Puerto Rico. Um, so many people are receiving the help, and it's always God's people who come uh, to the rescue. Uh, those are the ones that show up. When government can't do it, the people of God are the ones called to do it. So uh, thanks again for all your giving. There's so many uh, people here that gave. And uh, just to give you a little update, we're uh, slowly but surely, the island's coming back. There are about 55% uh, electricity. It's a long process. There's a lot of, lot of things to fix. Uh, but God is in the midst of all that, and, and people are uh, receiving the help that, that they need. Um, so this morning, uh, my, uh, the topic that, we, uh, that was assigned to me uh, is the uh, son of Zachariah. I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to sing it to you. 
but I will uh, try to unpack it for you a little bit. Um, there's so much to say about this song, and it's not um, more than a song, more than a song. It's a, it's a prophecy, and it's, a, it's an inspired message. Uh, there's a powerful message here, and, and I, I wanted to concentrate on one phrase in, in the beginning fra uh, verses here, in verse uh, 67, 68, 69. Um, the phrase, the horn of salvation, if you can put up that slide there. Is it up there? There it is, yeah. The horn of salvation. And why does Zechariah refer to Jesus as a, the horn of salvation? Uh, first of all, a horn is the strongest part of, of the animal. Uh, the horn in the Bible represents power and it represents strength. And when it's applied to Jesus, what it's talking about is that Jesus has power to save. He is mighty to save. We sing it here many Sunday mornings that he has power to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. So that's, that's the power. I mean, think of just yourself. I mean, how he saved you. Uh, if I think about me, how he saved me, and the many people that uh, he has saved throughout all the ages, it's amazing how uh, people that are, were so far gone, uh, the Lord came through and, and saved them, some, some of them in the last minute, some of them in the first minute, but he is mighty to save. So that's a little definition of the word horn, power and strength, that he is, is powerful, as a strong king that came to save the whole world. Um, I just want to give you a little bit of an illustration about salvation, uh, saving. Uh, in, the, in, in Major League Baseball, there's a club, it's called the 300 Club. And the 300 Club in Major League Baseball refers to all those pitchers in baseball history that have saved games uh, more than 300 times. Uh, if you know about the sport of baseball, if the, the team is uh, going to the last inning and they are, you know, within one or two runs from the other team, they bring in a, a fresh uh, pitcher to come in and try to save the game. In Major League Baseball, wouldn't you know it, the all-time saves leader is a Hispanic, you know, from Panama, okay? Uh, he has 652 saves, and uh, he's from the New York Yankees, that guy right there, Mariano Rivera. 652 saves. The guy just blew everybody away. Maybe there's somebody here that, you know, will break that record one day. We don't know that, but you never know. And really, saving and salvation is the main topic, the main message of Christmas is salvation. The reason you're not going to find dinosaurs in the Bible, the reason you're going to find anything about, you know, science or anything like that, you know, that has to do with, the, you know, prehistoric or anything like that, because the Bible wasn't written about, to talk to you about dinosaurs. The Bible was written about, it's a message of, of salvation. It's the salvation of all humanity. That's why you're not going to find that there. So, when we come to uh, the story of Christmas, it is a story of salvation. The world, um, you know, has made Christmas about what? Parties, parades, uh, gifts, Rudolph, the rain-nosed reindeer, you know, all that stuff. But it's up to us, the church, to bring them all back, you know, to bring the world back to the, and refocus the whole world and everyone around us that the message of Christmas was, is, and still is, salvation. If the world had a problem with money, God would have sent an economist. If the world had a mental problem, God would have probably sent a psychiatrist. If the world had an eating problem, an eating problem, he would have sent a dietitian. But the world didn't have any of those problems. The world had a sin problem, and he sent a savior. 
and his name is Jesus. And, uh, you know, the leader all time is not this guy, Mariano Rivera, of saves. The leader in world history is a contractor from Nazareth, Jesus. He's the all-time saves leader of billions and billions and still counting of saves. Amen? I like that. <laughs> God is still in the salvation business. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. God saved you. Now it's your turn to turn around and go and tell them and tell someone that does not know him so they can receive the same thing you receive, salvation. God is still in the salvation business. There's many great saves in history. Talking about saves, talking about salvation. I could have given you a list of 20 or more saves. I'm just going to give you three, you know. And the first one I want to give you, you all know the story, is Noah's flood. Uh, time in, during Noah was very uh, dark time. People were just away from God. People were far from God. And the Lord raised up a, a man named Noah to preach the message of salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it tells us that out of all that population, only eight were saved. And, you know, that wasn't God's fault. God gave them 120 years to repent and turn to him. But nobody would listen. They were too busy. So they turned down the offer of salvation. And only eight people uh, went into that ark and, of course, and of course, a bunch of uh, animals that listened. See, uh, Fido, the dog, was more obedient than Larry, the guy down the road. You know, uh, the dogs and the uh, squirrels were more obedient. They went into the ark. But many humans, they were so uh, stubborn, they didn't want to listen or heed the invitation of salvation. Um, Noah's flood, that's one of the great saves in history. The second great save in history is the Red Sea. Uh, you know the story of the Red Sea, Exodus 14, 29. The word declares that the Israelites went to the Red Sea on dry ground in Exodus 14, 29. With a wall of water on the right and on the left, it says that that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. That's a second great save in history. The third great save in history I can give you is uh, a lady by the name of Queen Esther. Um, in Esther chapter, 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 14, uh, it says, For if you remain silent at this time, this is Mordecai talking to Esther, Relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position, that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you know the story of Esther? She was chosen to be a, a vessel, to be a, a, a channel, uh, to be the, uh, the person that would speak to the king and save the entire race of the Jewish people. And um, that was a great save in history, Esther. Now, when we talk about salvation, naturally, you got to ask yourself this question. What has God saved you from? What is he saving you from? What, what is he saving you from? I mean, why, why do we tell people about Jesus? Why do we, you know, invite people to church? I mean, why do we invite our friends to church? I mean, why, what's the big deal? What is he saving you from? Man, and uh, when we get to eternity... Um, you're going to be 
so thankful that God saved you from so much. And again, I can give you another list of 20 things that God has saved you from. I'm just going to give you three things that God saved you from. Uh, the first one, in Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, he saved you from the wrath to come. Now, I know we don't want to talk about that. You know, that's a, not a good subject to speak about around Christmas. But uh, when you read the Bible and you read the book of Revelation and you read uh, the things that are still uh, to come upon this earth, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. It says that, For they themselves declare concerning of what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That verse, verse 9. Verse 10 says, And to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead. See, Jesus is coming back. We talk about the first advent. Well, that's the second advent. And when he comes back, that's when he's talking about that wrath that's coming. Uh, he first time he came as a little baby. Second time he's coming as a conquering king. Okay, and that's when it's going to get real. Okay, it's going to get very real. He uh, and Paul says that God raised Jesus from the dead in verse ten. Even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come, and that's 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 good news. That's good news. That's really good news. That you are not going to participate. In that outpouring of wrath. That's all. Again, I don't have time to go into all the uh, the judgment that's coming, but it's there. I mean, the Bible is more accurate than the New York Times. You should read it more than the, your your New York Times or your Post Journal, because you get tomorrow's news today. Okay, that's that's the Bible. You get tomorrow's news today. Uh, newspaper, you get yesterday's news. In radio, you know, but the Bible is so far ahead. Uh, the Word of God is so far ahead. And it tells us that there's something coming to this earth that is going to shake everything. And uh, the Bible says that if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if you are uh, a believer in Christ, you're going to be saved from that. You're not going to have to go through that stuff. Thank God for that. That's the first thing that God will save you from. Number two, the second thing that God saves you from is death. Okay? Now, watch this. In John chapter 11, verse 25. Listen to what Jesus said to a lady named Martha. She, her brother just uh, died. He was in the tomb. And, you know, she was trying to get Jesus' attention to come and, and, and save him from dying. And Jesus said this in verse 25 of John, the Gospel of John. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I mean, he's talking some stuff that is hard to comprehend. It's like, what do you mean I'm not, never going to die? And it's hard to us to understand because we have a wrong idea of death. Some people think that when you die, everything's finished. You know, it's, it's done. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you die, uh, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Because you're going into an eternity. And eternity is not a long time. Eternity has no time. Time does not exist in eternity. There's no time. So it's not a long time. Okay? So when Jesus said that he saves you from death, death is really, death is separation. Death is when your body separates from your soul. Your soul separates from your body. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's death. So when God says that he'll save you from death, he said he'll save you from that eternal separation from God. 
See, that's, remember uh, Adam and Eve? Remember when, what the warning that God gave Adam and Eve? He, he, he told them, don't, don't eat of this tree. Because the day that you eat of this tree of the knowledge of evil and good, that day you will die. No, they ate the, the fruit, the forbidden fruit. Did they drop that on the floor? No. What was he talking about? They were separated from God. That was the death. Communion was cut off. See, to God, death is spiritual. It's separation from God. That's why if you, do, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a walking zombie. Because you're, you're the walking dead. Talk about the walking dead. That's a real walking dead. People that are walking on the earth without Jesus in their heart. Because your spirit is dead. See, your spirit is dead to who? To God. It means that there's no communion. There's no connection. There's no life. There's no spiritual life. There's no eternal life in you. But when you come to Jesus, eternal life comes into you. And you become alive to God. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. The second one is death. That's the second thing that God will save you from. Salvation. Number three that God will save you from, and this will make you really happy, God saves you from hell. You know, that's enough to be joyful for the rest of your life. Okay? Uh, Talk about fire insurance right there. God will save you from the eternal fire. Praise God for that. Uh, That's a place that nobody, matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 25, you know what it says? In Matthew 25, around verse 45, around there, it says that God didn't make hell for you. He didn't make it for for humanity. He didn't make it for men. God didn't make hell for any of us. You know who he made hell for? Satan and his angels. That's what that place was made for. But you see, Satan is so desperate. He is so evil. He is so hate-filled. Talk about hate crime. Satan is so hate-filled. He hates you so much. He wants to drag you with him to the place he's going to eventually end up. So God saves you from hell. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 is a verse that I use for this uh, topic here of what God saves you from. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 says this. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. It says that if you're not in the book of life, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Now, what's the book of life? Book of life, simply uh, stated, is a registry that back in uh, Jesus' time, back in, the, in, in those times, anybody that was born in a city were written in a record. We call it a demographic record or a registry, a birth registry. If I wanted to get my birth certificate, I had to go all the way to Puerto Rico, to the city I was born, and they have somewhere in their archives, there's a, you know, a little document there that says that I was born October 20, 1970. Okay? If you were born in Michigan, you got to go to Michigan. If you were born in California, you got to go to California. But thank God for the Internet. You don't have to travel. You can do it right over the Internet. Praise God for that. Okay? My kids were born in Jamestown. We just have to walk down the road and get it from City Hall. Okay? So that's what the Book of Life is. It's a registry of everyone that was born in that city. Don't forget that. That's the Book of Life. Now, does the Bible talk about being born in a specific city? You better, you better does. Psalm 87, Psalm 87, verse 6. Look it up. If you're taking notes, Psalm 87, the whole psalm talks about the city of God. Do you know what the city of God is? you know the name? 
It's not that Jerusalem and Israel. No, 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 no. It's the new Jerusalem. That's the city of God. And it says in Psalm 87 that people are born in the city of God. And in Psalm 87, verse 6, it says that anyone who's born in the city of God, it says that God writes their name down, he registers and records the name of everyone who's born in the new Jerusalem. In Psalm 87, he calls it Zion. Same thing. Different name, same thing, Zion. Okay? And he writes down the name of the people that were born in Zion. I got to take you a little bit through, travel with you a little bit through the Bible. Now come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. When you go to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse, <laughs> I, lo- I love this verse here. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Hebrews 12, I think it's going to be verse, and I just want to take a little time here and unpack this for you. Hebrews 12, verse, uh, Verse 22, verse 22, and verse 23. It talks about the believers. The, Hebrews, the Hebrew writer was talking to believers, and he says this. But you have come. Uh, first he said, you didn't come to Mount Zion. You didn't come to Moses. You didn't come to the trembling mountain. You haven't come to Mount Sinai. No, no, you have come to a different mountain. You have come to Mount Zion. Verse 22. To the heavenly Jerusalem. See that? The city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Verse 33, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Whose names are written in heaven. See, God has a registry of people that are born in the new Jerusalem. That registry is called the book of life. How do you get on that book? How do you get on that book? Oh, you got to go to another chapter. John chapter 3. A guy by the name of Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? Remember that guy, Nico? Nicodemus? Jesus said, Nico, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, Jesus, you mean I got to go back into mom and come out? See, he didn't get it. Jesus had to explain it to him. If you're not born of water and the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The original translation says, if you're not born from above. See, when you're born from above, and in layman's terms, it means that when you put your faith in Jesus and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, at that moment, you're born again. See, the Christian has two birthdays. We go crazy about our birthday here on earth. Okay. See, I was born October 20th, 1970. That's my first birthday on earth. But I have another birthday, March 11th, 1983, where Jesus came into my life and saved me. And on that day, I was born again. The Christian has two birthdays, the one on earth and the one on heaven. Don't worry about so much about the one down here. Make sure you, okay. You're written, that your name is written in the book of life. Because if you're not in that book, okay, he's not going to be able to save you from that place. But if you're in that book, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I mean, that's the message of Christmas, is salvation. 
Salvation. That's the message. Jesus came into the world to save the world. That's it. That's it. And I'm going to close with this. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, and it gives, it gives us a warning. Do not neglect. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. It says, do not neglect. It says, how shall we escape if we ignore, neglect, such a great salvation? You know why it's a great salvation? Because it was a great sin. You know why it's a great salvation? Because we were greatly lost. You know why it's a great salvation? Because we were gone. And he came into the world and saved us from death, destruction. I mean, God even saves you from yourself. You know where is that in the Bible? Read your homework tonight. Read Romans 7 and you'll find out how God saved you from yourself. Because if he left you to yourself, you didn't know what to do. Even the faith that you have, according to Romans 12, God gave it to you. Romans 12, that he, Romans 12 says that God has given each one of you a measure, a measure of faith. See, God gave it to you. Now, it's up to you what you do with it. If you use it, it grows. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Put your faith to work. Believe that God has saved you. Believe that God can save your loved ones. Believe that God can save your children. Believe that God can save your uncle, your aunt. Okay? Believe in the Lord Jesus. Acts 16, 32. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You in your household. I didn't say that. God said that. But it will be done to you according to your faith. So in closing, the horn of salvation. There is power in Jesus to save. I can tell you story after story. People that have been in drugs for 30 plus years. They hear the message. They believe. And uh, what the doctor cannot do. What the psychiatrist cannot do. What the psychologist cannot do. What the professionals in any field cannot do, Jesus can do it in five minutes, in 30 seconds, because they believe the message that he has the power to save. Amen. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for Jesus. Of the many titles that Jesus has, this is one of them, the horn of salvation, that there is power in him to save strength to save. Thank you for going to that cross. As we celebrate communion this morning, let us be reminded of the power to save your blood, your body, to set us free and save us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name and God's people said,